microphone. We can grab a seat. Oh, so Felicity, welcome. Welcome, thank you. How are the nerves? Um, I'm, Steve told me when I got up not to say that I was nervous, but I will say that I have given myself a manicure with my teeth while I was sitting there. <laughs> okay. Well, um, uh, so Felicity, tell us a bit, bit about yourself. How long have you been on the Central Coast? Uh, we moved to the Central Coast when I was in Year 5 at school. Um, we moved out to Kalani Vale, and basically I've lived here since then. Okay, and uh, uh, just tell us about your family. Um, so I've, I've got two sisters and a mum and dad. I grew up in a non-Christian family, um, went to a public school, and I still have good friends still from school that I see and catch up with still. Yep, and, and your family now? So uh, you mentioned Steve there, and uh, uh, yep. how many kids do you have? How old are they? I have three children. Um, I'm married to Steve down the front here. He's wonderful. Um, I've got Lewis, who's um, on the autism spectrum, and he's seven soon to be eight. Uh, I've got Georgie, who's 15 months younger than Lewis, so she's six, turning seven this year. And then I've got Jackson, who's four. Um, and we, we actually have my mother-in-law who lives with us as well. And uh, Lou, have you got any organic gardening experiences, <laughs> tips, triumphs? Um, my, my citrus was really struggling, so I put my chicken coop um, in my citrus. So basically, my chickens now fertilise the fruit. Um, they don't eat citrus because generally it just falls on the ground because we never think to cut it off or catch it. <laughs> okay. So the, who doesn't eat the citrus? The chicken? The chickens. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, uh, this morning we're particularly talking about your son, Lewis. Uh, as you said, he's on the autism spectrum. But before we uh, find out about uh, your son particularly, can you give us a bit of a brief explanation of what autism is? Um, autism is a lifelong develop neurotypical development disorder which impairs their social interaction, um, communication and they often have repetitive behaviours. Um, social situations are quite overwhelming for them so it may look like they're having, they're being a naughty child when really they're just having an anxiety moment or a meltdown and they're just not coping with the situation. Okay. And it's a spectrum so it's very, very broad. Like you can have one child who's completely non-verbal and, you know, can't keep up with the hygiene, or you can have a child that just isn't talking, isn't meeting um, social scenes in an appropriate manner. Yeah, okay. Just keep the microphone Sorry. Up. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I talk with my hands. Yeah, okay. So, as you said, there is, there is quite a spectrum of severity, mm -hmm. but I think you mentioned there's three main areas, the uh, communication, yep. the kind of um, interacting with people and... What was the third? Um, communication in... Sort of focusing on particular... Interact. Having yeah, particular they, preoccupations or... Like they will play with toys in an unusual way. So um, instead of, you know, just ro rolling a car around on a track, they'll just watch the wheels go around or they'll um, just spin something because that's, you know, it's not necessarily like a doll or something. They'll just spin it around or yeah. something like that. And I was re it's actually quite common. About mm. one in 110 children... Yeah. One in well, 110. I read the other day on a, an American website that it's actually almost one in 88 now that are on the autism spectrum. Yeah, so. okay. Um, autism is not a mental illness. Um, autism is a spectrum, and as I said before, it can be very different from one child to another. Um, autism, I guess this is the main point. If, if there's nothing else that you hear from me today, autism is um, not bad parenting. 
don't, you know, I was talking to Steve about it yesterday and he's like, I used to think, you know, you see a child with ADHD or autism and you think, oh, I could fix that child if it came and lived with me for a week. You can't. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I, um, we're fairly strict, um, but, yeah, you can't fix a child like this. It takes so much work. Yeah, that, that's important, isn't it? Because, I mean, none of us are judgmental about other people's parenting. That's got to be true, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe all of us are a little bit judgmental. So, but that, that's really important, isn't it? To understand that this is not about parenting, yep. not about the environment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Often, like with Lewis, he'll have a meltdown if we're at the shops and he's not coping with the noise and the smells and everything else that is going on. And you can tell people are sort of looking as if to say, oh, a child. <laughs> yeah, that must be really tough in a public situation like that if, yeah. if Lewis isn't coping. And yeah. yeah. I mean, we've learnt, we've definitely learnt ways of coping with that as a family. And, you know, even the kids know, like, they just, they just hang back and they, they just let him have his moment. And um, through a lot of exposure, uh, like, you know, if I had have gone off the first time we took him to the shops and the meltdowns that we had, if I had have just let that be the dictation of, okay, we're never taking him to the shops again, he wouldn't be where he is today. It's taken mm. a lot of hard work to get yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, We'll come back to a bit more about that later. But um, tell us, going back a few years now, mm-hmm. uh, what did you first notice about Lewis that started making you concerned that perhaps he wasn't developing in the way you'd normally expect? Um, it was actually the first time I sort of suspected something. It was when... Um, I was at a mother's group with my daughter who was like six months old and so Lewis was about two and the childhood nurse, was, a childhood nurse was saying that by the age of two a child should have at least 20 to 25 words in their vocabulary and I remember sitting there thinking, hang on, I'm still waiting for his first word, like he doesn't say mum or dad and from that point on is basically where I started to look into it more and ask people questions and from there. Okay, and you said at the outset that sort of language development is one of the key yeah. areas that yeah. are affect, that um, people are affected with autism. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so language was a big thing. Were, were there other things that uh, um, that you noticed? Yeah, Lewis was a toe walker, so everywhere he would walk, he would walk on his toes. Um, he's also a hand flapper, <laughs> so he flaps his hands <laughs> a lot. Sometimes I think he's going to take off. Yeah. So we we often tell him stop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there'd be some other things like that as well. In terms of, um, uh, all right, and there was, um, now this was a stressful time of life for a number of reasons, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around the time that Steve actually got made redundant from his job. Um, I was, like, once we sort of got to the the stage of diagnosis, so going to GPs, going to paediatricians, Steve had been made redundant from his job. And I was very heavily pregnant with our third child, um, who came early for some reason. <laughs> I'm sure stress had nothing <laughs> yeah, to do with stress that. Stress had nothing to do with it. Um, and obviously, like, when we got our diagnosis, I was concerned, because we didn't find out what we were having with the third child. Um, and I was, I was concerned that if it was a boy, would he also be on the spectrum? Um, you know, all those thoughts run through your head. Yeah what the future holds. Yeah, so this must have been a few, a little bit of time yep. afterwards you'd first noticed concerns. You said that was when Lewis was around two. Yep. Um, so there'd obviously been quite a bit of time between your first concerns and actually clarifying what the situation was. What, yep. what was sort of the time frame there? So when I first started to notice that his vocabulary wasn't there and there were quite a few other very obvious um, development delays with him, 
Um, I went to a GP, which was just our family doctor that I, I've seen ever since I lived on the coast, and she said to me, no, he's fine, he's, you know, he's making a bit of eye contact, you know, I don't think he's on the spectrum. Um, so then I walked out of there and I sort of felt like, okay, well, do I believe her or do I go off what I see? Mm. So I went to another GP and um, once again I was told, no, no, he's fine, he's fine, you know, he's a boy, they... they they develop a little bit later than girls. Yeah. Just they don't launch a talk until they're yeah. 20. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, just, just see how you go. And I, I basically said to her, look, can I just get a referral for a paediatrician and, and, you know, and then I'll leave you alone. Mm. Um, we went to the paediatrician. The paediatrician said, look, yeah, he's a boy. Give him another six months. Come back and see me in six months. And if he's still not progressing or if he's still concerned, then we'll, we'll go from there. So we went back. And he said to wait another six months. Mm. Uh, but by that stage, I just knew. I just I knew that he was on there and I needed to get him help. So I needed. I went back to the GP and got another referral, ended up going to Sydney and seeing a child, uh, child development paediatrician down there. And basically within half an hour of being in my appointment, it was confirmed that Lewis was on the spectrum. Um, it was up to us whether or not we got that on paper. But he said, yeah, he, he needs help. And if you get the diagnosis now, you will get that help. So that's one of the critical things about getting the diagnosis, isn't it? It makes you eligible for all sorts of assistance. and yep. Yeah, the government have some funding, but it is the funding is aimed at early intervention. So you have to basically get, it, get the diagnosis before your child's seven, because it runs out at seven, basically. Yeah, OK, right. Um, uh, and that seems to be a common experience from what I've heard, that uh, that parents often there's often quite a process before the diagnosis is made, and is that right? That it seems yeah. to be a, yeah, um, not unusual for people to have to go through numbers of different um, practitioners before they get the situation established. Yeah, definitely, and I think looking back now, I think if if I had a, if if someone had been honest with me right up from the front, we wouldn't have lost that year to year and a half of is he, isn't he, is he, isn't he? And we could have got stuck into the speech therapy and all the other therapies that he needed to progress. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, so that's... Um, how, how old was Lewis when that diagnosis was established? Um, three and a half, four. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And you said he's turning eight? Uh, yeah, he'll turn eight in March. Yeah, yep. okay. Yeah. Uh, and so give us an idea, I guess, now, what's the impact of autism on Lewis's um, behaviour, yep. development okay, at so this point? Okay, so he's seven at the moment, but he has a, probably has a vocabulary of a three-year-old. Um, like just yesterday, instead of... They were, the kids were all watching cartoons um, and they were all picking out who they were in the cartoon. And he's, you know, Georgie's saying, oh, I'm the girl and Jackson's the boy and then... Um, Lewis goes, Georgie, who you be? <laughs> like, okay. So his sentence construction is, is, is quite behind. Um, yep. Um, he, he referred to um, my sister just bought a house. And because um, he's got an iPad, which helps him a lot with his um, vocabulary and stuff, he, we have to often upgrade his apps. Mm. So now he refers to any change as an upgrade. Yeah, so okay. my sister just bought a house and he's like, she upgrading the house? Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, and um, things like his, um, the other day he bit his tongue and he ran out to me and he goes, Mum, I hurt my lick. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. 
So, yeah, he refers to his tongue as his lick because <laughs> that's what it does, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be a real challenge, actually, to, to work out the associations in yeah. his mind because I suppose he has a whole lot of different associations, yeah. the way he processes things and understands things. Yeah, and, that's right. And figuring that out to be yeah. able to communicate with him and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, another area is um, like he's in year two at school now and he's only ever been invited to two birthday parties Um so socially, it's it's hard for us because his sister gets invited every other week to someone's birthday party from mm. school or something. Um, but friends from school, Lewis has only ever been invited to a birthday party twice. The first time he sat at the front door crying and didn't want to go in. Mm. <laughs> um, but then after that, I think he realised what parties were. And now when Georgie gets invited to a party, he really struggles with the fact that why can't I go? Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. that's like he doesn't understand that her friends are from her class and why isn't he invited? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you, and you were saying, I guess, in other social situations, um, his that the way he uh, reacts and copes in those situations can be quite different yeah. uh, to usual. Yeah, like he um, he tries really hard to maintain conversation with people, but because of his vocabulary um, restrictions, I guess. Mm. He, he does struggle with um, keeping up with conversation and often kids will just, you know, in their imaginary play, they'll run off and keep going, whereas he's sort of trying to figure out what what is going on, like why mm. are you pretending to be birds? Yep. You know, that sort of, yeah, yep. that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Um, now, we're neighbours <laughs> and so I've, I've met Lewis a few times, but what, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, you came over and Lewis came up and gave me a hug. Yeah. Now, that <laughs> could be because I'm a huggable kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis um, is very But I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Have you got... Because we haven't... Gee, I've only had a, probably a couple of conversations yeah. with him. Have you got thoughts as to why he would kind of show that um, sort of affection, whereas I thought autism is often a, a difficulty with yeah. affection? Yeah, that was one of the uh, the hard things when we were getting our diagnosis is that Lewis was actually quite attuned to emotions. So some children on the spectrum have no idea if they see someone smiling, they don't understand that that person's happy or if, if someone's got a cranky voice, they don't understand that they may be mad. Whereas Lewis actually is very attuned to that and sometimes a little bit too much, whereas he'll just run up to anyone at the shops and hug them. Not, not Nothing against you. <laughs> It's fine, it's fine. Look, I have to push people away all the time. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, he, he is a very affectionate little boy, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, now, you mentioned before that it's in, uh, the, the importance of uh, early intervention and treatment. Uh, can you give us an idea of what sort of treatment and intervention yep. you've had to pursue with Lewis? Yep. So, with Lewis, um, basically he's been in speech therapy since he was two. So, even before he got... Like, as soon as I realised his speech was delayed, we put him into speech therapy. So, he's been doing that fortnightly since then. Okay. Um, he's done occupational therapy for his sensory issues, which is trying to control his hand flapping and um, things like transitioning. Like, so, if he's in a class and they're transitioning from a sports activity to an academic activity, he'll sometimes struggle with that. So the occupational therapists help with that sort of thing. Um, we've done applied behaviour analysis, which is a very full-on um, therapy where you're doing... We, we didn't go fully down the path, but basically you do sort of 30 to 35 hours of full therapy and you have certain therapists that come into your house and, you know, they may do things like um, if, you're tr if the child's struggling with 
playing games and they lose and it then causes a big meltdown, which is, you know, understandable for a three-year-old. But once they get to seven and eight, it's, mm. it can be quite embarrassing or inappropriate. Um, so basically the therapist might come in and just make them lose so that they learn to cope yeah. with losing, basically. Yeah. Um, we've done Uran, which is an early intervention we, where he went weekly, um, one morning a week. Uh, they were excellent. They were really good. They just tailored um, therapies to him. Uh, to help him cope with uh, situations. And actually, they were really good support for me too. Mm. Uh, and even the other kids, they, they involved the siblings as well. Um, and yep. we've got, he's got um, cousins. So we've got a big family and they all nurture him a lot. Yeah, okay. I mean, as, as a parent, what are things that you have to be particularly mindful of, I guess, in the way you, uh, as, a, as a parent, in terms of, oh, you mentioned reinforces um, when we were talking. <laughs> yeah, Explain so a little bit about that. When, when we were doing um, ABA, as it's known, we were trying to toilet train him at the time, and um, he, he didn't really understand the whole concept of, of you know, using the toilet. At, he was probably about four um, so what, what we did is we started to get a reinforcer, which we would probably call it a, a reward, basically. So for every behaviour that he does is good, he gets a reinforcer to reinforce that that's the right thing to do. Um, the preschool weren't too sure of what autism was, I think, at the time, and they basically said we can't give him the reinforcers um, for, for toilet training. But eventually he got it, like he understood that, oh, okay, the other kids are doing that, I guess I've got to do that now too. Mm. Yep, yep. And uh, his school situation is quite specific. Yep. So tell, tell us about that. Um, he was he was down at Woiwoi, but last year we moved him up to Valley View Public School, which is um, out near Wyoming. Uh, they have a multi-cat class, which is basically a multi-category of disabilities that all go in together. So there's eight kids in the class with two teachers. Mm. And it's very, very focused on what Lewis needs. So yep. they'll go into class in the morning and they'll do some sensory things. So they'll do like shaving cream on the table and, you know, they may go and jump on the trampoline just to help them refocus themselves before they do like the academic work. Um, yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned before, uh, kind of earlier on, that um, Lewis and his... Uh, um, kind of behaviour and, and what he can cope with could dominate your family. <laughs> how, do you, how do you try to avoid that? Yeah. Well, I think the, the first thing is to... Well, we made a decision not to avoid it, mm. if we can. Um, obviously... So you've got to wake up and put your armour on every day. Yeah, basically. Yep. Um, every day you've just got to go, all right, let's do this thing. Like, mm. <laughs> let's get through this day. Yeah. Um, and he's much better now than he used to be. There was a time when we were, um, we all got bikes for Christmas. So we we're very excited. We put the bikes on the racks and we drove down to the lake and like, come on, everyone on the bikes. The kids were all ready to go and they were standing out there with their helmets on, waiting on the bike. And Lewis decided that no we're not going on a bike ride, I'm, I'm actually going to stay in the car. Mm. So he basically had a meltdown. He was crying and kicking, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And I, I think it was more that he just didn't know what was expected of him. I mean, you think riding a bike's fairly easy, but to him it's like riding a bike is, okay, where are we going to go? Who's going to be there? What? Which way are we going? Like mm. there's a whole, probably a whole thought process that we never see. And, and it seems that all those elements of uncertainty are quite stressful. Yes, yeah. definitely. Like, he would think all that through before 
before going into that situation, whereas other kids would just go, like they'd just ride their bike. Um, Anyway, we made a decision there and then, look, he... In this situation, he can't dictate what our family does. So we (laughs) basically said, look, you just go and sit on your bike... If we have to tow you, we'll tow you along, mm. but you're coming for a bike ride. Mm. And within five minutes, once we all got going, he realised, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. And basically, he rode ahead of us and had a ball, and it was a struggle to get him back in the car. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. But at that point, if we had said, oh, okay, we'll just go home, it would have, A, ruined it for his brother and sister, which would have made them think, Lewis, mm. you know, you stop us from having all the fun. Um and it probably would have then meant if we tried to do it again, it would have been probably twice as hard for us to, to get him on the bike. Yeah. So yeah. do you find that actually improves his flexibility and his capacity yeah. to cope with... Definitely, definitely. Like his, things, yep. his class situation is very, very structured, mm. but at home we are not structured. <laughs> okay. I tried, but I'm not a structured person. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's, okay, we're going for a bike <laughs> ride now. Yeah. I know. live next door to you, I... You can hear the screaming. (laughs) You can probably hear ours too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Now, uh, Felicity, um, now you're a Christian and each of us, uh, I guess, face challenges, difficulties at uh, different times of life. Um, And for many people, difficult circumstances can have a dramatic effect about the way you think about God, Uh, can cause doubt, disbelief, anger... Um, uh, You've described to us, I mean, we've just got a, a brief insight really into the, the difficulties and stresses that, uh, that Lewis can bring. How has all of that made, how's that affected the way you think about God? When we first got our diagnosis from, from Lewis being autistic, I, I never, and I made a point of never saying, why God, why? Like, why did you give me the child that is going to be difficult and has no certainty of where he's going to reach or where we're going to be with him. Um, but what I what I did think was, okay, we've got this, let's do it, and God help me do it well mm. okay. <laughs> because I can't do it by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so really focused on dealing with the situation as it is and looking yep. to God's help in yeah. that situation. Yeah, uh, And, um, uh, yeah, and so you'd said that I guess your prayer was... God help me cope, has God answered that prayer? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there have definitely been times when I've been like, I just want to go back to bed. Yeah. But, you know, like I can't live like that with with a child or or even our, you know, normal children, you can't. Well, I think, yeah, every parent knows the yeah. experience of, oh, let me go yeah, back to bed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it does, sometimes it has caused anxiety within myself. I think, oh, what, what issues am I going to deal with if we go there? Mm. But really, you know, and I think even with church, um, there was a time when we were a little bit cautious about coming to church. But it really, it took Steve and I just to go, you know what, it doesn't matter what issue. If he doesn't want to get out of the car, if he doesn't want to go in, we'll just deal with it as we're walking along. Mm. You know, and... Now, like, we come to church. He loves church. Um, we deliberately put him in with his sister. So he's down an age group in the kids' church area. But because she's his little therapist, he would follow her and he would. she basically just does whatever and he, he sort of gauges what the situation is by okay. her reaction. Yep. And, um, and he's excellent. Like, the other day I noticed um, I was outside of church and I noticed that he was in the boys' group and Georgie was in the girls' group, so they were separated... 
but he was keeping up with the other kids. Um, they were really nurturing him mm. in there. Like the leaders were, you know, including him in the high fives, even though he probably didn't know what he was high fiving for. And yep. y- you could just tell that he wasn't treated any any different. And that's mm. that was a huge thing for me the other day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now we've got an opportunity. If you would like to ask any question of Felicity, you can uh, put your hand up, and there'll be people roving around with microphones. So, uh, and if uh, if you do want to ask a question, please keep your hand in the air so uh, so we can get the microphone to you. Uh, but Felicity, while we're uh, while we're just considering that, um, uh, how do you think about the future for Lewis? I guess all of any parent has hopes, dreams for their kids. How do you think about the future for Lewis? Um, I'm positive about Lewis's future. Like, if, if you had said to me when we got our diagnosis, how do you feel about Lewis's future, I would have been like, I have no idea what to expect. But seeing the progress that he's made over the years, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's at an pro- age-appropriate education level. Like, he's reading at the right age. Okay. Um, his uh, writing is immaculate. Mm. Uh, for his age. But I guess one of the concerns that I do still have is that he will get a social group, is that he'll make his own friends and keep them. Yep. Um, that's probably one of the biggest areas. And I guess if I can offer any advice to anyone out there, if you know anyone that's on the autism spectrum or any child ADHD, it's a great opportunity for you to teach your children about the character of being a friend to someone like that and not you know, if they they won't understand why you may not answer the question. Like, if you go up to Lewis and say, you know, hi, my name's John, he'll go, hi, my name's Lewis. No, no, <laughs> sorry. He'll go, your name? <laughs> like, yep. he just doesn't... He, he Conversation doesn't roll for him. So if you can just teach your children to, to just move on, if he doesn't answer properly or if they don't answer properly, just move on, you know? Just say, come on, come and play with us. And try and include them as much as you can. It's a good character builder for your children. Yeah, so in terms of suggestions or advice about uh, the best way to, to relate to, um, to children perhaps in Lewis's situation is, perhaps from what you're saying actually, is to relate normally. Yeah, normally, yeah, exactly, yeah. And if, you know, we had some friends come over the other day and <laughs> they must have been just at the beach or something and smelt a bit wet... Um, and Lewis is like, they're all crowding around his iPad watching, <laughs> watching him play the game. And he's like, you stink. <laughs> like, and the kid's like, whoa, who are yeah. you? <laughs> you know? But it was just like, just let it go. Lewis, you don't say that to your friends. Yeah. <laughs> you but know, how liberating to be able to speak your mind like that. Oh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> like even yesterday I came home from the shops. He's like, mom, you need a shower. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay. Thanks, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned before that you actually feel quite positive and optimistic about the future. Does being a Christian, um, uh, I guess, believing that that God is involved in this situation, does that is that a part of why you feel have hope, have optimism? Yeah, definitely. Like coming to church and having that community of people that are of a similar mind and are, are gracious is is very important. It we we understand that this is a really good place for him to have that, you know, we're not just going to, when he gets through school and then he's all left alone, like he'll always have the church to come to and people that were willing to to treat him nicely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, have I missed any hands? Was there anybody who wanted to ask a question? 
Okay. Now, Felicity, you said you uh, were you going to bring along uh, some resources or... Oh, uh, yeah, no. I did. I started writing a list of helpful websites and things like that, but I thought if anyone's got concerns about their children or a child that you know, um, I guess the first point of call is to to ask the hard questions and, you know, if, if you do feel a child is, you know, not developing in the the correct way, seek the truth. But yeah, in relation to resources, I guess it's a bit of a hard thing, <laughs> really, because yeah, there okay. were so many there that I couldn't... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, Felicity will be around this morning and I'm sure she'd be happy for you to come and speak with her. Um, well, Felicity, thank you very much for giving us an insight into your family and your son and obviously what's been a very challenging situation and there's challenges ahead. But uh, can you please Thanks. thank Felicity for being with us this morning? <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Summerfest each year is brought to you by EV.